three, four. The common counterpart. Hello, hello. Welcome back to The Common Counterpart, episode 30. Teresa Diaz? No. No? Close? 30. 30? 30. 30. Dirty 30, baby. Oh, my God. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm Josh. Dirty 30? That's what you call the birthday party. When you're 30, you, it's, it's, it's like your dirty 30. I don't know what that means. Yeah, you do. I really kind of don't. Oh, I, it, it has texture. I'm not going to lie. A d- dirty 30. It does have texture, but I'm not. I actually don't know why they call it that. I think because you, you, you tie one on. Maybe, but don't you tie one on every birthday? Well, for... But dirty 30 rhymes. Yeah. 40... Dirty 40? 40... Do- I don't know. Dirty and now I always say Fowdy. Fowdy. So when we get there, it'll be great. What's up, Josh? Oh... <sighs> It's, uh, oh, that's not a good sigh. No, just busy, man. Life is busy. The The house is getting redid. Mm. We're almost done. Um, you living out in, back in a tent? Uh, almost. The The wife and I actually did the dishes in the bathtub <laughs> mm. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Tell me you were in the bathtub while you were doing it. Wasn't there, isn't there like a, a Ernie does like <laughs> rubber ducky and he ha- he's like in the bathtub but i think he's washing a dish that was the joke in the house but no i nobody was bathing That's in good. the bathtub which would have been an efficient use of time well, and it's, water it's a drought so yeah. it's sort of disrespectful it, that you didn't is it or a just drought? have them like at the bottom of your shower just <laughs> collecting shower water as you go i'll bet you there are people have done it i'm sure but it did i did feel as though i was living back in the college bachelor days you paper know. plates Paper plates. Yeah. Um, I still use them. Are you serious? Don't tell the environment. Uh, Sometimes it's just more efficient. It is. Well, it, yeah. I mean, you're, we're killing trees and, and, and making And some foods plastic. just go, some foods just make way more sense. As an adult, if I'm giving my kid waffles, uh-huh. you ever try to get syrup off of a plate, especially if you yeah. don't do it instantly? Dude, yeah. we're just going paper plates. And oatmeal. I mean, uh, oatmeal. You, you, oatmeal's, dry, a, oatmeal's a bowl. Yeah, right, but dried oatmeal oh, sure, on, a, so on a porcelain bowl. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, not all of us can afford porcelain. What do you eat off of? Plastic? You're a liar. You don't have a plastic. I can't tell you the last time I used a glass or porcelain plate or a bowl. Maybe this we is ha- why you're... We have them. But what? this is why your wife doesn't want to take you out. No, this is you're like, that's like what you call like the good china. <laughs> right? It's porcelain. Everyone's got I the good china. I think it's culturally insensitive to call it china now. That actually, I was just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't think it's made in China. No, it's probably made in Taiwan. Probably. Oh, which we is, don't take we don't, it easy. We don't call it Mexican. Take it easy. I know. Well, it's not racist if you offend everybody. You're just inclusive. I'm, I'm highly inclusive with a critical eye and sarcastic nature. Yes. Sure. Well, I'm glad we're back, man. <laughs> Me too. I miss you. Yeah. And this is a this is a a, a mouth watering episode. Ooh. Uh, indeed. I sort of, as I was doing the research on this and thinking about it, I, I did get a little hungry. Yeah. And uh, have you noticed that it's very difficult to get information on this topic without there being a a solid opinion? Well, not an opinion, a solid fact. Okay, yeah. So there are two sets of facts. Yeah, two truths. There two are, truths and a lie. There, are, you are pro or you are con. Yeah, and you're both going to hell. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because this. I, I was sort of thinking about our episode last time, and I actually wasn't very happy with it, oh. full transparency. 
uh, because there wasn't a ton of substance. And it, we had the conversation before yeah. that it's just hard to find. Yeah. They don't want you to locate they being okay. the human race. Oh my God. If you guys nope. could see, if you could see his face it. right I'm not now. Gonna say it. I'm not going to give blame. <laughs> but this was sort of similar where yeah. I was like, the first thing I had to do was as I was looking things up is I was checking my sources mm. and finding that whichever way that was leaning or mm-hmm. whoever funded it, which we've known forever, right? You can get any answer you yeah. want from a study. And it typically depends on who's paying for that study to be done. You're, I don't remember you being such a cynic when the, we first okay. met. Well, the cynicism comes from... Don't ask me to spell that. No. The cynicism, which I think is a real word, comes mm-hmm. from looking at headlines versus what actually is there. Like uh-huh. I, I do kind of like looking at, at data points, n- nerdy in some manner, but there is so much that is wrong. Yeah. That could easily be shown to be wrong if you would just read more than the first paragraph. And I don't want this to be like a news thing where it's like clickbait type stuff. Mm -hmm. This isn't clickbait. These are actual clinical studies. And anything that has to do, um, you know, I like nutrition Mm -hmm. and I kind of nerd out on some of that stuff. And really, you can get chocolate to be what kills you or chocolate to be what saves you. Depending, coffee, chocolate, cancer, we can find... If we give a mouse 6,000 times the average dose of caffeine, mm-hmm. we can prove that caffeine's bad for people. Right. So so I, I think that has kind of led me to start thinking a little bit deeper because I probably at one point was just reading a headline and going along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we still haven't told the listeners uh, what we're talking about yet, which I love. But just a real quick, uh, I actually sent one of our good friends a, 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 what I thought was a pro article on something. And I just read the headline, and he responds back like 30 minutes later, you didn't read the article, did you? This was a con article. <laughs> and just classic, just called out. Just called me out on and, it. But it's so – here's one of the reasons why I think that we do that now. It's so fast. Yeah. It's forward or it's share. Share, yeah. Or it's here's this nice, huge thing, but here's it in a, available as a hyperlink. You're welcome. We make mm-hmm. it very easy to do. Yeah. Before, if it was a book – I'm, Someone I'm, might I, have to read it. Right, and then I'm giving it to you. I think very rarely, especially with how expensive books kind of used to be, even mm-hmm. still they're kind of expensive, mm-hmm. no one's buying a book just based on the title and then giving it away blindly. No. Because I feel like when, when I, if I give you a book or if I let you borrow a book, it's, it has a little piece of I, – I am giving you a little piece of, of my ideas, my argument, yes. even though they're not really my ideas, just this idea of – here are the main thoughts. I understand the argument I'm giving to you. And also, undoubtedly, you're going to ask me about the book. Yes. And I have to have an answer. Yeah. If I say, oh, I haven't read it, you're like, well, then why should I read it? It's one of the reasons, even when I read for just pleasure, and it's usually nonfiction, um, I'm still underlining, highlighting, making notes. I'm not afraid to dog ear my books. Because if I do hand it to you, you kind of have an idea, like, these were the pages, and this is the information I found useful. Yeah, and, I, and I've gotten some of those from you, and I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of like a like a Jedi Padawan. No, sort of I wasn't going to go there. I was going to go like a worn in baseball glove, <laughs> oh my God. where it's like, ooh, this has some 
this has some heart in it. I can feel some. Yeah, some, it, it made me feel old. I'm not going to lie. Well, like when I can see your tears that are uh-huh. like stained on the pages, like I know that you, you you and the book had it out. We did. Yeah, we did. Uh, but all that to say, we found some interesting stuff this week. We did. Are you going to tell the listeners what we're going to be chewing on? Uh, we are talking about one of the most famous Wendy's commercials. Of I all was time. wondering if you were going to make reference. I'm really I almost proud started of you. with it, and I thought it was too on the nose. Yeah. Uh, and also, it was kind of before my time. It was very much before your time. Yeah, it was 80s, right? Yeah. yeah. You are... 87, I was born, so... Oh, okay. Well, you... Maybe I saw it when I was one. Yeah. But it's what's for dinner. <sighs> Where's the beef? So fun. It was so good. The old lady just, like, into the telephone. Yeah. Where's the beef? <laughs> And then there's like this huge, and which is funny because I don't think that even Wendy's even now is known for having large beef patties. No, but are they the ones that have the square they're the patty? squares. Okay. Just can't go around, can but you? But there's something about, there's a little crunch crunch at the end of the, the corner. Oh, yeah, because you can't get that with yeah. round. Which, by the way, I think the crunchy thing on, on any sort of meat is a carcinogen. Yeah, I'm not sure you want the crunch. Right. But it is peel. It, it, it's appetizing. It's people do like some of the little char on their on their meat. Yeah, and this is going to be a divisive episode. I, and I don't want it to be. Well, you're either all in. That's or what you're all and, out. And that's what we saw, right? We're doing the research, and it wasn't my impartial uh, research on the cattle industry. Well, it can't like just be. No. Like it can't. It can't just exist. It has to be. I don't know. All of a sudden, this like. It literally is as political as anything else that people are talking about these days. And it, if, if and it's almost it's a victim mentality if you're in the industry. Mm-hmm. It's almost dirty to even talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, so I've got <clears throat> excuse me uh, the, the the wife, uh, longtime junior high high school college friend, married into a a, a cattle family, uh, and they had to leave the state. Because the regulations here were so just insane and limiting, so they leave, go to another state, and uh, the business just takes off. So much so that they don't even have enough people to hire, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And now this person's in, in, in a variety of different states helping to raise calves and cattle. Um, and in the conversation with them, the demand is there. So he's, he's in the market to, to provide a, a service and a good, but at the same time, there are so many regulations that everyone's having to cook the books a little bit. Uh, they're having to, you know, uh, whether it's how you buy the feed or, or how you dispose of the, the, the waste, it's almost as if the government wants to limit uh, the cattle industry. I mean, is there anything more dirty than the food industry? No. I mean, we, you don't off, you, you go, you know, you think illegal drugs, mm-hmm. you think black market, you think all of the things that are negative, you know, but food, all of our food, there is no such thing as a straightforward process. Well, and you're, you're right because food is no longer a cultural endeavor. It's a it's business, it's, baby. It's a business. It's a commodity. Um, and you and I have seen that that documentary, Food Inc. Sure, it's a classic at this point. It is. I, it's so old now. <laughs> it really hurts my feelings when you say stuff. Well, like don't. I mean, it really is. Is it twenty years old? I don't know. I mean, I definitely know that it 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 is def. It's not aging well, and not in terms of uh, the quality 
of the actual information, but mm -hmm. the quality of the actual film. You look at it and you're yeah. like, ooh, was this shot on like an iPhone 5? Oh my It's gosh. 2008. You are such a snob. 2008. Okay. But uh, one of my heroes, uh, Joel Sailton of Polyface Farms, I think in Virginia, West Virginia, um, and when they butcher, they do it in, in, in the open. And so the ultraviolet light, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about cleaning up uh, the, the debris, the feathers, the, the, the entrails, whatever. It just plops down and it becomes part of that recycling process of nature. And um, we now know, I mean, UV light kills a large portion of pathogens. So if you're making food, processing food in a, in a dark, big warehouse. Dark, yeah. dim warehouse. Yeah, humid. Yeah. And, you know, of course... For your protection, no one's allowed behind the curtain. No one can see. You're right. Proprietary yeah. uh, uh, sort of thing. They're doing some real fancy things in there. But I mean, let's think about Mark. Let's just say the entire supply chain shuts down. In two weeks, what are you eating? Grass. <laughs> if I can find me a patch. Just imagine me being like a cow just chewing on yeah. some curd. Right. But I mean, we are so removed from our food that it's people look at animals and plants or whatever where you know there are a lot of folks who will tell you that these resources animals and plants were provided to us as sustenance we need protein uh, some proteins are easier to grow than others but people have the um, luxury to be bothered by the cow when humans have been eating cow pig dog horse for centuries whoa 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 you didn't horse <laughs> no horse burger yeah i mean listen course. the only thing i don't think i would ever try is my dog but other dogs you're good i'd be okay sampling and especially in times of struggle of struggle starvation sure. famine i mean it sure is nice to be you know sitting from my ivory perch where i can judge what people choose to eat well, isn't it sort of the most condescending that yeah. we just have dogs as pets? <laughs> have you ever thought about that before? To, to, I mean, a large portion of the world that, I mean, and, and in a large portion of the world, they, they are pets until they're a meal. Right. But it's like, I have so much money mm -hmm. and so much time that I'm going to have just this little guy around. Mm -hmm. simply for my entertainment he provides nothing of necessity i'm you, going to feed I, I can afford to mm -hmm. feed an extra mm -hmm. it's like you just like walking by someone who doesn't have a lot every single day and just like throwing five dollars in the trash right in front of them and just not even batting an eye i love how you made that connection because i find my dog to be quite nope rewarding nope no not you nope. that's actually not true you don't, you don't. I do. No, you don't. Well, I don't. I don't tell the the, the wife and the daughter that you don't. Okay. Listen. It's it's that's your ivory tower talking. This, this might be one of the places where you and I do part ways. Uh, I have a heart for my dog. I understand that you, they have no value. That's not true. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Are you dying tomorrow if you don't have a dog at your house? No, but it's or e ever. It is a lot easier to love a dog than it is to love most people. You're choosing that. I'm I'm saying that if they all disappeared tomorrow, yeah. we would be fine. Yeah. Well, maybe you. Not. You've everybody. obviously never looked deep into the eyes 
And if you've never had one, <laughs> you never know what you're missing. Who hurt you? I don't know. Okay. I'm just. I, I just find it very condescending that we own pets okay. and parade them around. But I mean, people have pet goats and pet no, chickens that's, and that's pigs. For sure. I had a buddy who had his mom had a baby potbelly pig, and they did not realize how big this pig was going to get. It got to a point where it couldn't get through the door. Uh, pigs be pigging, dude. That's I, what they do. But in your house, just eating just air thing. <laughs> so back to back to beef. Where, where do you fall in the spectrum of pro con beef? I'm in, I'm in, hundred percent. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm hundred okay. percent. And uh, I I do think that there is a certain quality that exists uh, in some beef mm -hmm. that we we clearly look at this uh, mechanized industrialized system, and I do think that it's wrong on the macro. Okay. Um, just, I don't think we should do it that way. I don't think it makes sense. After doing a little bit of research, I, it's very clear why we do it that way. Um, and in, unless you can get every single person to agree, it's not going to change. Right. Meaning that th this thing has become so large now and has become so ingrained in American culture mm -hmm. uh, that there's no turning back, I don't think. So... And I might be wrong, and I know we've got some some listeners who will be happy to correct me. I don't believe you can purchase um, medical insurance across state lines. Meaning? Meaning I could probably find a better rate in Nebraska. Oh, I got you. For me. What if we did that to the beef industry? What if we said California, population of 40 million people, you cannot buy beef outside of California. It has to be grown, birthed, grown, slaughtered in California. Do you think we could sustain a beef industry in California like that? I don't think so. I think it's so tough because I think that one, our population is too large mm -hmm. and two, land is too expensive. But, but it would, and that's the thing we're going to talk about too, is that it would take an, an external cost, a cost that we don't pay for, and it would internalize the cost. So you and I can go get cheeseburgers right now. One buck. For less than what it would take to actually buy the groceries to make the, the, the hamburger. And it's not even close. Right. And so there's something wrong where I can buy an automated hamburger from an international multi-billion dollar company. But if I go to the grocery store and try to get locally grown bun, locally grown tomato, locally grown hamburger, it's going to cost me a hundred bucks. I mean, even if you don't even go, of course, think locally grown, you think it's going to be better yeah, and better quality. Even if you just go with the cheapest manufactured beef that there is, you're, you're not going to be able to do that. Right. And, and is this the part of the system that you find to be broken? I, I do. I, I think that it's, it's something that, uh, was very convenient and was also just a necessity for us. Like if, if we go back and look at it, we know cows mm -hmm. came over, right? Um, this idea of Colombian exchange. Inform us. Well, so there are a lot of things that aren't necessarily from here, meaning that they don't, they didn't originate here. So, so the idea of cows 
had to be brought to the United States. Correct. So, and this goes both ways. This we took things from the New World and took them to quote unquote the Old World as well. But we're not getting in, we're not getting here until Columbus and then Cortez. So Cortez takes them to Mexico. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Juan Batista, who's bringing them to California for the missions, and then it kind of goes from there. Right. Same with horses, so, right? Horses and pigs. Pigs are also not from here, right? Right. You know what was what what is from America? Bison. Yes. Yeah. Um. And and but we, I don't think we took those back. Well, we just shot them from the trains. <laughs> I know. I well, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think that that was uh, one of the returners. So no. we bring them over. So they're not from here. Right. But one thing that the reason why cattle was able to do so well where it did is because of the landscape. Yes. You ha- you need to have a lot of land. And and but not just any land. I mean you have to and this is what what a lot of people don't understand about the Midwest. There's not a lot to use the Midwest for. Uh you corn, a lot of people think of corn, you know, if you build it, they will come, right? Field the dreams. Soybeans. Um, if you, if you but do, why those two though? Because this is significant. Well, because the the, the soil works, um, it, but it's not great. No, it's not great. So and, we have to add fertilizers. And so I think that's the big kicker. Everyone thinks the Midwest is like just full of all of these fields and how amazing the the ground is and how awesome all this stuff is. But what the Midwest is really good at growing uh, grass, correct, and and low vegetation where most of us aren't going to get any nutrition from it. Um, and a cow, its niche, its function, its job in nature is to eat that grass down to the nub, walk around, and go pee and poop. Yeah. And it recycles. And keep that, keep that cycle going, right. right? And then, of course, a cow is going to the, – the, the, the cow herd is only going to stick around for as long as there's grass to eat. And critters are pretty good at finding places to get food. And so there, there becomes this natural uh, migratory pattern of, of I guess, you, n- not domesticated cows, but you know, natural cow or bison, which is what the indigenous Native Americans would follow and hunt. Um, and so that is the function of a cow, um, you know, also producing milk and, and meat and that sort of thing. But we need these sorts of critters who are able to, they're herbivores. Their job is to eat the grass, um, as they're stomping around, they, they, it's urine and poop, and they're adding fertilizer. The seeds that pass through their gut are now being redistributed into this grassland. We don't worry about watering it. We don't have to irrigate it. We know that the, the snow melt is going to come back down into these low-lying areas and re-irrigate the grass naturally. And a lot of it was just the luck of geography with what happened, right? So we ha- we get the cows over here. We use them for the most part as we would use tractors. Beast of burden. Yeah. Right. So we're, we're trying to be as productive as we can. We see these animals. We know that they have a decent lifespan being used as help on the farm, mm-hmm. right? And then we start moving past the Appalachian Mountains, mm-hmm. and we start getting to the Midwest, and we find a bunch of land that's going to allow us to increase our cattle production. Now, without the invention of barbed wire, this industry dies. 
That's an interesting observation. I didn't, I hadn't really thought about that. So barbed wire, and it's funny because there's an entire like. Did barbed you do that because you already had this set up? No, I didn't. I just thought about it right now. Okay. To be honest, because um, I don't have all the facts, so I'm gonna sound stupid. <laughs> but there's a barbed wire museum no. that you can go to. I think it's in Texas or Oklahoma. How did you? You can look it up while I'm talking. You. Um, are... So this barbed wire museum museum is great because the history of, of barbed wire came out of necessity. So as people begin to move over the Appalachian Mountains and they move out to the Midwest, there is, once you get to the plains, the Great Plains, there's no more trees. Mm -hmm. You just have grass. So we think, how are we supposed to keep our animals here? How am I supposed to know which ones are mine and which ones are his? This is before tagging and all of those types of things. So we had to enclose them. Well, there's no wood. So you can't build wood fences. Barbed wire is extremely efficient to move. Right, it was it was fairly cheap to make as we began getting better at making different metals, and it was something that the cows weren't really messing with. No. So, remember, you're working on tight margins as a rancher, especially early on, and so using barbed wire fences, they were able to really keep that industry going in the areas where they weren't able to put fencing in. Uh, Where's my museum at? Uh, Texas. One's in, there's one in Kansas. Mm, I would, uh, I'd imagine the Kansas one. Kansas is the known as the barbed wire capital of the world. Well, there you go. Um, also, the Devil's Rope. Mm, I like that. I like that. Um, now, keep, keep in mind, too, so you, you're using these fences, right? Yep. And these are my cows, beast of burden. But just like in Africa, we see a lot of this. It's a low-margin land. You really can't grow a lot of human staple crops just using natural snow melt and river water. But cows can convert unedible prairie grass into edible milk and meat protein. Well, and just because it's it's grass, it doesn't mean it's great for growing crops. No, but so I'm saying like some for sometimes it's not it's sometimes people I, I think that the assumption is people have to choose. You're either going to do crops or you're going to do cows. Well, it, sometimes you you don't get to choose those things. Exactly. You have, it, just because the land is flat doesn't mean it's good. Exactly. And so I think that cows made a lot of sense in the in the prairie lands. The other thing too is the weather there is pretty unpredictable. Right. And, and so cows make way more sense. Yeah, because some some crops have to be dry for a season, or they have to get so much sun for a season. And I've I've never driven through the Midwest. Have you? I haven't. Just flown okay. over. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Talk uh, about every yeah, tower. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm not going to – it was in business class, no big deal. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, cows can handle a storm. And they can handle rocky ground. Mm-hmm. And they can handle uneven ground. Yeah. As long as there's food. And so this – and, again, I'm going to give you a little bit of credit because you have uh, uh, made a, a key statement uh, that I find myself repeating way too often. Uh, time and place. Time and place, baby. And the cow – uh, and the horse, but we, we we decided to eat the cow, became this integral food source, beast of burden, at the right time, at the right place. And it's one of the things that allows for westward expansion. I mean, how much of that was just based on the fact that it looks kind of like a bison, but smaller, and it yeah. was our next biggest animal that we could kill? And it's really, really lazy. Because bears are real hard to catch yeah. and kill. So and, it's like the next best thing. Yeah, you don't want to put a plow on a bear. No, not a good idea. Yeah. Now, I had to look this up because I find myself in topics that are complex and way outside of my realm that I misuse vocabulary all the time. How is your cattle vocabulary, sir? 
Um, probably slightly below yours. Can you tell me what a cow is? That would be a female. That is part one. Uh, that is able to produce offspring and milk. That has produced. Oh, what is a pre-cow? Okay, hold on now. Oh, oh, oh. What is a bull? Well, uh, a, a a male who is able to produce. Male, yep. What is a steer? A castrated bull. Correct. And only two things come from Texas. I'm not going to finish it. <laughs> but that's a fantastic line. It is good. Super funny. What's a heifer? A milk cow. A young female that has not produced a calf. Oh, okay. And then what is veal? Veal is delicious. Hmm, I never had it. It's it's tender, but it's tender because it is usually calf meat, and the calf has not been allowed to move around a whole lot. Yeah, so it's pretty specific on this one. Calves that uh, a calf that is raised uh, between four hundred and seventy-five to five hundred pounds. Okay, which seems oddly specific. A twenty-five pound leeway is not a lot, but I didn't know those. I feel like I just used those things. Mm-hmm. I feel like I thought a steer is just the one that has ear, uh, the one that has horns, <laughs> ears, <laughs> the one that has horns. Yeah. Uh, and then a cow is just the black and white one. Oh, wow. Okay. It's funny because I come from Bakersfield and we have dairy cows. Dairy, dairies all over. Which, fun yeah. fact, I love the smell of a dairy. We had this conversation. So good. Um, and is it the... It, it's, it's, it's just the home. It's just a nostalgia factor. Yeah. Sewage, I think never, is what... Mm, <laughs> yeah. And I've never been around calves. So, okay. yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and, and I'm sure there's even more... There's a bunch. More language. So you have this industry... That again, I love a good barbecue. You're all in on cow. I'm all in on cow, but I agree with you. I don't like the process. But do you care about the cow? No, because I really don't either. I don't want people to get confused. Like this is a moral thing about why I want the industry to change. It doesn't bother me. But you, 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 and I both acknowledge that this puts us like half the world out there does not agree with us. Yeah, I understand, and I and I do think again, time and place. Like mm-hmm. if I wasn't born here in the area that I'm in, having it readily available, I probably would think different. Or if I raised them for a living, I might think different mm -hmm. too. I don't really know. And I will tell you, um, I am wholeheartedly against the unethical treatment of our food. I am as well. Uh, So whether it's chicken, whether it's fish or or sheep or or pig or or, or cow or whatever, um, because I do do see animals um, as as a, a food source. Right. And I want to know that they're being treated uh, fairly, humanely. As humanely as you can. But at the same time, do am I willing to pay $35 per pound for a tri-tip? You are not. I'm not. Because I, you and I both acknowledge a, a real-life, on-the-farm, eating grass, outside-every-day cow is going to take up a lot of land. Yeah. And that land costs money. Um, and, and water. And water. And food. Yeah. And we, we sort of got into this when we did a little bit about corn mm-hmm. and just why we have switched to corn and why our beef has gotten so bad. Um, it's all about the efficiency and being able to produce food as cheaply as possible while also maintaining uh, some level of organization and profits. And don't even get me started on the conspiracies of subsidized corn farming. And we will not. But we could. Because we like our lives. Right. And, and I a didn't certain bring, company that's listening right now. I did not bring my sombrero. Yeah. Yeah. So beef industry, mm-hmm. what I wanted to do, and this is, I want to be a little sciencey for a minute. 
Wait, wait. You want I'm me a, to be I'm, a little science I'm using you as like my check. Because <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but if you ask certain people, the beef industry is responsible for climate change. Some people will tell you that. Um, now, not only is it a contributor, it is the highest contributor, according to some. Yeah, I can understand why they would say that. And I would love to hear your take. Well, probably the largest contributor to the emission of greenhouse gases would have to be the entire farming industry. I just want to inform some of our listeners. Uh, the primary culprit of greenhouse gases and climate change is carbon dioxide. Okay. Which we're all producing. Right. We're all, we're all making it. Um, and the, the cow is blamed because it, being its, its niche, it, it has a, it's a, it's a rudiment. It, uh, rudiment? So I probably butchered that word. But their digestive system is designed in these chambers so that when it eats this low-nutrition grass plant stuff, there's just countless different bacterias that can, can break certain bonds in the, in the cellulose or the dextrose or the maltose or the whatever, and the process produces a lot of gas. And that gas is usually methane. Okay. Cow farts. Cow farts. Now, this is the same methane that we call natural gas if we're burning it to produce energy in California. Because we don't burn coal in California. Right. We, we don't like to see mm -hmm. our energy as a color. We like to see it as clear. <laughs> exactly. Because it makes us feel better. So uh, let me, let, let me how, how true do you think this is? Because I pulled this up. Greenhouse gas emissions from beef cattle only represent 2% of total emissions in the United States, according to the U.S. Environmental Protective Agency. Uh, I would say that doesn't sound what I've heard. I've heard 10 to 15%. So now I will continue. By contrast, transportation accounts for 29% of greenhouse gas, and electricity accounts for nearly 28% in greenhouse gas. Those sound... So beef cattle production as a whole, including transportation... I'm sorry, including production of the animal uh, and the feed is responsible for 3.7%. So they're referring to the process oh, of And not just the beef. cow's existence. Right? I mean, that doesn't that sound right? Yeah. I mean, 2%, doesn't that sound low to you? Really low, really low, considering that methane and carbon dioxide make up such a small, small percentage of our, of our uh, atmosphere. And that source in this article is the EPA. So you would imagine that, again, you can get if you use mm -hmm. the right vocabulary, right. you can get anything that you want. Now, as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, well, this is pro-beef. Well, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you because you know that the, the, the beef industry is paying regulatory fees to government agencies. Right. So you don't want to go out there and well, and, they, and, those, and those companies don't want numbers larger than that to get out no they want you eating beef and chicken and everything else as much as you possibly can and without being called a conspiracist i think this is why you and i are very we, we question some of the numbers you do get on the internet because there's always going to be somebody interested in you not having the truth right and then you cite the epa and you're like oh well they have to be true well the epa is just a name mm -hmm. it's it has to have funding it has to produce data mm-hmm based on what it is that they're trying to get accomplished. And so this is the problem with media is I say, oh, the EPA said it. And I was like, you know, not to get crazy, but, 
you know, the WHO says some things too. And all of, you know, the FDA says things and you, all these things say, I don't trust it. I know. And I love it because you're, you're getting, you're getting a little ah, feisty. What's funny. Cause when it comes to your nutrition and those types of things, I get very feisty when it comes to politics. I really don't care. I found my niche. And, and, not that they're disconnected because they yeah. are one and the same. And that's the thing is there, there's always a, a motivation from so – everyone's coming from some, some angle, right? Um, so your numbers about contribution to climate change, I, I'm seeing numbers like 10 to 15%. And maybe I shouldn't say to climate change, but greenhouse gas emissions, which they okay. use as – a measure, right, of climate change. Well, and I'm glad you I'm glad you you prefaced that because how quickly the conversation goes from a quantifiable measurement of a specific greenhouse gas, right? We can measure the cows, we can count the cows. This much gas is emitted, and then I say climate change, and that's a very difficult thing to quantify. And that's that's the that's the point. Yeah. And yet I got lost in the language like most people do. As, and you're someone who actually knows this. Well, I so, appreciate um, you saying that. I mean, you're at least trained 10 hours on this. You have a degree. Yeah. Uh, but for the rest of us, yeah, I'd like, yeah, mm -hmm. I guess it means I'm okay eating cows because Could, I, should, I should be more concerned with driving my car. Right. So I've got a question for you. When, when do you change your lifestyle? It's so tough. I, I Honestly, I put this in the same category as recycling which you don't which, do which I don't which I don't do you're which also, is very public and you also throw batteries away if i remember correctly you're a battery All right, take it easy let's not repeat those things <laughs> yeah i do uh, but i i am and this is the problem this is what's wrong is i feel on a small scale like i i can't do anything so why do it so at what point should i change my lifestyle when i watch the guy next to me in his jacked up truck do his things. I uh -huh. should buy electric because he is never going to. Yeah. Well, uh, and so, and that's a whole different argument, even in it itself, is. because those aren't not, those are not um, separated. Right. They're still just as much, if not more, based and, on what kind of waste you're looking at. And at some point, someone's going to make the decision for you, and they're going to take away your option. Right. Whether because in California we voted for some sort of ethical raising of of livestock you just have to hug them before you kill them <laughs> a kiss on the cheek i wish you guys could see this really creepy face <laughs> he was giving me i've never once hugged or kissed a cow just want to put that out there i i've hugged a horse you hugged a horse or the horse hugged you no i no horses. They, do this, they do that like little nuzzle thing no I, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be terrified to be hugged by a horse but i've i've, I've come around the the, the wrap and oh, it's dicey big big lips it's dicey yeah um so is there a number, is there an environmental consequence large enough to limit your beef intake? Ooh. Like what would I need to see? Right. I would need it to be something, honestly, I would need it to be something that's affecting me. Got it. In an economic sense. Money first. Money, probably money first. Body health second. No, I mean, body health, I guess maybe... I'm confused. Like, if it was like this, you're doing X amount uh -huh. of damage to the to the earth. Like, yeah. this is what it is. And guess what? We figured it out. The answer is cows. Are you still going to eat cows? I'm like, yeah. I'm still in, yeah. Because some people are probably going to be like, no. And I'm like, cool, that guy has my vote. He's doing the no for me. So I'm going to go ahead and do yes. So now I just cut it in half. Twice as much cow for me. Well, I, no, I would stay eat. This is where I help. I stay okay. even. 
Okay. So now it's 50% because he got off of it completely. Got it. The, the, the health piece comes first. If it all of a sudden just jacked up the prices of cows, mm-hmm. well, then I'm out because I physically can't do it. Speaking of, I went to a large membership box store the other day. No and, free ads. And I grabbed my uh, large ground beef. Just by like the feed bag style, like yeah. 50 pounds? Yeah. yeah. And I, gra- I grabbed that, that ground beef. And I put it in the cart, didn't think nothing of it. That thing was $15 more than I have ever paid. The price is rising. It is insane. Yep, because you can. I mean, the price of everything is rising. This is yeah. part of a whole a larger inflation conversation that's mm-hmm. slowly taking place. But be, what, are, what are you going to do? Like, they look yeah. at you and they say, so what? Yeah. Are you just not going to eat one of the largest food sources in the world? For us here in America? Do you know what we are seeing more and more of? Folks are leaving uh, corporate America to be part of that farm life. They are, they are leaving their accounting, uh, business, finance jobs, and they are buying some property in the middle of the country, and they are growing it, their chickens and their eggs and their goats, and they're learning how to make their own food. And if you can make your own food with money and, and, and buy a place from your big city job— you don't longer need. I was going to say, how much less money do you need a year? Right. And, you know, if, if, if life slows down, and maybe that's another conversation at some point, is it's the speed of life that requires we have convenient food. That's fast and cheap. Fast and, and we don't care to ask the question as to how is it being treated? How is it being processed? Is it healthy? That's a big one. I think the underlying conversation that nobody wants to have because it makes people feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. is the way in which we eat food. Mm-hmm. It's very specific to America. And I'm not even yeah. talking necessarily fast food. I'm just talking about food in general is just such a commodity and not a necessity. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we do even when we're bored. Yeah, And the the lack of care that we have put into food and me and I mean me included I don't care about food I'm not a foodie I'm not necessarily super worried about taste and flavoring ask my wife I'm the most bland food person yeah and you remember that like two-year span where I was eating tuna and rice cakes every day for breakfast yeah but you also like a challenge I do but I mean that that shows how little I care I mean tuna almost straight out of the can and then but that's a good. couple of rice cakes that's yeah. fine full of mercury and you're going to die young no, but that's I fine. am I can feel the mercury in me as we speak <laughs> but I just mean like we we don't talk about food as a gift mm-hmm. which it is and because we've never had to experience it as a gift right never I think I've said this before. When my kid tells me they're hungry, a little piece in the back of my mind is like, you've never been hungry in your entire life. Right. And because you live here, you never will be. Food is, and we've done food deserts and so many things, but the act of, of consuming something, not whether it's good for you or not, but just the act of eating is so easy for us to understand because it's something that's always been there. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, I don't know how you switch that. Um, well, it, it starts with us unplugging from this. Oh, great tie to the last episode. Yeah. Check out episode 29 on <laughs> Apple and Spotify. But you do have to unplug from this fast-paced uh, quantity versus quality sort of mindset, and you do have to slow down. Um, and I don't know if you've ever eaten someplace where you get a small portion, portion but it's rich, uh, well-prepared food. It does hit different, right? And, yeah, and, and you take a huge bite, 
and your senses are just overwhelmed. You almost have to slow down to like take it all in. Yeah. And, and if food's just bland, you can just, I mean, I could throw down a large bag of chips, no problem. What does a chicken nugget taste like? Because it doesn't taste like chicken. No. And they're the perfect size to just throw in your mouth in in one, th- you know, swoop. Um, and when I'm done eating, I don't know what I just ate. Or what to do now. <laughs> no, because it's just... It's such a bad yeah, look. Yeah, McDonald's messes me up. But, um, but it is an interesting conversation. And we haven't even talked about some of the, the, the issues of, uh, uh, of, of production, of distribution, of... Um, uh, the, the big companies that, that have billions and billions of dollars uh, to That make. are basically running the game. Yeah. And that's going to be our topic on next week's episode. I love it. Well, before we go and finish on our part one of beef, yeah. give them some great wisdom. Well, uh, so this comes from uh, an all-too-well-quoted uh, 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 person uh, titled... Unknown. What if there was a guy named Unknown what who if? just did all of these great things? He's and just, he just like gets, smiling. He gets, he's like he's like Banksy. <laughs> like nobody knows who he is, but yes. he just produces this gold. But uh, quote by Unknown. So Unknown said, "I did not claw my way up the food chain to just eat vegetables." It's so good. And I think that's what the beef industry is. There is a, there is a uh, something about affluence. You know. You can order a salad, but something says I'm important if you're eating a big fat steak. Right. There's so. value there. Mm-hmm. Well, this episode has made me hungry. Me too. I'm make ready sure you, to eat. Make sure you follow us at The Common Counterpart on Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify. We're going to go grab a burger. We'll mm. see you guys next time. 